Uh, I wanted to tell you uh, the, the continuing saga of my, my coat story, and then it turned into a jeans story, and then something else happened along with this. So if you haven't been, you haven't been here, real quick, uh, I found a coat in the service. I thought God provided it for me. Turns out it belonged to somebody else actually in the service. I gave the coat back. Then I went and uh, blessed Ryan Campbell with some soup because he wasn't feeling good. Then Ryan gave me four pairs of jeans. That was awesome because they fit me perfectly. And then I get home uh, last Sunday after talking about it. And I start, I was just, I don't know what I was doing. You know that little pocket right here? Does anybody ever use this little pocket for anything? Used to be a watch pocket, right? Yeah, but who carries a watch like that anymore? Now it's everybody's cell phones that are watching. Millennials don't have any idea what this means. Like when I ask them what time it is, they go like this. They're just like, I don't know. What are you talking about? They just get out their phone. Um, that's how they tell time. But I, I somehow stuck my finger in this pocket and there was $15 cash in the pocket. I was like, sweet. And then I realized I owed Eliza $15. So I had to like immediately give the money away. But I'm thinking, is that my money or is it Ryan's money? What do you guys think? Possession is nine-tenths of the law. He gave me those jeans. Should it have been his responsibility to check the pockets? Yes, I think so. So I paid off my debt to Eliza. Um, Eliza had won the money. Uh, we played the ball of greed with the cellophane, the saran wrap. Did you guys ever, anybody play that game this holiday season where you wrap a bunch of stuff up in it and people fight to get the stuff out of there? Yeah, it's a great American game, ball of greed. And uh, she won a, a scratcher's ticket. And she won 15 bucks from the scratcher's ticket. It was awesome. Then I had pocketed the money, forgot to give it to her. I think she owes me money anyway. Any parents agree that your kids owe you money, right? Have you ever had your kids say, hey, you owe me five bucks? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, let's just look at the ledger here. Let's look at how much I've spent on you. <laughs> and let's just talk about how much you owe me. Like that, that's not even, let's not even go there. But I did go ahead and I did actually make it up to Ryan because they had their precious new little baby girl, Rosie. Rosie Dale Campbell, and I got a chance to go and see the baby and hold the baby. That's a great thing about being a pastor. You get to hold babies, and then later on that day I did a funeral. I mean, that is like opposite ends of the spectrum, isn't it? Here's the beautiful gift, the beginning of life, and then you go and you experience the other, other end of that. So I did, I did make it up to him. By the way, here's a quick thought. If you want your pastor to think about you often, give him something. This <laughs> is true. Like someone gave me a recliner. It's been several years ago now. And every time I sit in that recliner, I say it almost every single time, guess who I think about? The people who gave me the recliner. When I wear those jeans, who do I think about? Think about Ryan. If you were just happen to give me a car, I would think about you every day. I mean, every day that I would get in that car, I would think about you, and I would pray for you. Just saying. Just saying. What brand? <laughs> I'm holding out for the Corvette, Dave. Holding out for the Corvette. Very practical. Yeah, with a man with an empty nest. Very practical, the Corvette. So we talked about last week, we talked about the expectations of the new year, the things that we're, we're excited about, the things that we want to see happen, and we, we worked through those expectations. We, um, we talked about how in, uh, in obedience, there's great revelation. When we walk in obedience to Jesus, he reveals himself uh, to us more, and we can invite Jesus into all of these expectations for the new year, right? 
And then on the other side of that, we ask people to give us, the, uh, give us a list of things that you want to leave behind in 2017. And one person that filled out the card uh, literally wrote, 2017 trash. Hence the hashtag, no trash. All trash left behind today, all right? And so they, they wrote down all these things, and I got some great... Um, Great uh, examples, and so we're going to process through those. If, you're, if you've got your Bible with you, uh, turn to uh, Luke chapter 19. I shared this with uh, some students on uh, uh, this past week at uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes up in North Platte. But Luke chapter 19, that's where we're going to go so you can have your Bible ready to go when, when it's time to get there. But we're going to talk about, talk about the things, the 2017 trash okay the things that we want to leave behind and so the first one was I want to leave behind good works that I think are obedience but aren't truly I I thought this was deep I mean the things that we oh look at it look at me I'm doing these good things I'm doing it in obedience but but the reality is am I doing it more for me or am I doing it more for the Lord? And so that's something that this person was struggling with and just aware that I need to, I want to leave that behind. All right, let's just jump in. Complacency in my walk. Unwanted weight gain. Sin. That's just like a broad topic there. I want to stop smoking. I want to stop drinking. I want to leave behind my anger. I want to leave behind excuses. I want to leave behind the old man, all right, the person I used to be. I want to start, I want to become a new man. I want to leave behind old habits that upset my spouse. Some of you spouses can say amen to that. Mmm, preach, all right. I want to leave behind doubt. I want to leave behind fear and laziness, a bad attitude, an unforgiving heart towards others. I saw not too long ago, someone posted on Facebook, there are just some things and some people I cannot forgive. And let me just tell you right now, that is not biblical. It's not biblical. And if you're wrestling with that, that's where you're stuck. And you need to move on from that. Because if you cannot forgive, there's, there's, no, there's no progression for you. You're going to be there for a long time. There is, there is nothing that we cannot Forgive, And I believe in Scripture that the only thing God cannot forgive is an unbelieving spirit. Someone just says, I just don't believe in Jesus. So un- that's an unforgivable sin. Now, obviously, if you're still alive, there's still hope. <laughs> and you're still breathing, there's still hope. Lack of self-confidence, negativity, complaining, worry, shame, lack of self-control, selfishness, deceit, procrastination. Trying to make my own way without God. Bad thoughts. I love this one. My grumbleness. Anybody else got that one? Your grumbleness, a.k.a. irritability. (laughs) Misunderstanding. Mistakes. My tendency to pray but not listen. Brokenness. Wasted time. Unrest of my heart. Distractions that keep me from staying focused on the important things. My fear of sharing Christ with someone and me stressing about money. Here's a disclaimer. I'm not saying that all of those things are sinful. 
But they are things that people want to leave behind because they're getting in the way. They're, they're getting in the way of them being able to move forward in their, in their relationship with Jesus. Obviously, it affects our vertical relationship. It affects our horizontal relationship with those around us, these particular things that they want to leave behind. And if you didn't hear yours, then whatever it is that you brought in with you today, add that to the list. So isn't it interesting that you don't take out your trash and then go back in the middle of the night and bring it back into your house? Now, wouldn't that be odd? Like, if we go back out and we get the empty cans of SpaghettiOs and bring it back and put them back on the shelf, we put the wilted lettuce that we didn't eat quick enough and stick it back in the crisper, thinking it's going to somehow like be better the next day. We don't get out the empty box of the Captain Crunch with berries. That was our 19-year-old daughter's request this time when she was home for college. You don't go put it back in the cabinet. Once it's done, it's done, right? We don't go back and put our trash back in the house. And so I think the same desire is, is being able to come to a place where we can be done with once and for all. Now, I, I know that because of my own flesh, that there are plenty of things that I wish I could have been done with last year, and I still struggle with it this year. And so it is a process. It is, and I want to give you some freedom in thinking about it that way. It's, it's, it is a process, and it takes some time. But there is some steps that we can take to get to that place. Um, Tony and I were meeting the other day, and he shared this, uh, this song, and there's this lyric at the very beginning of this song, and I think... Uh, I think think it was pretty profound as we think about the past in 2017. It says, I could break free. This is from a song by uh, Jacob Dylan, Bob Dylan's son, from a group called the Wallflowers. He said, I could break free from the wood of a coffin if I need, but nothing's, but nothing's hard as getting free from places I've already been. And think about it. Nothing is as hard as getting free from places that have already been. Play, things that have already affected us. Things that we've experienced. And, and listen, uh, this, this week, I had a conversation with a guy that uh, talked about some difficult places that he's been. Started when he was just a little boy. And his parents got divorced when he was seven years old. It just went downhill from there. He's seven years old, and it just got worse from there to the point where he was 14 and ready to end his own life. He had it all planned out. Instead of taking his life and, you know, committing suicide, he, he really feels like he made a deal with the devil that day and started living this life of, of sin and degradation that, Degradation, I guess is the word. Um, and it, it caused all kinds of problems in his life. Like, it, the wages of sin is death. <laughs> and it was ugly for him. And he comes in to my office and was like, is there any way out from this? Is there any hope for me? And I'm sitting on in, in my chair in my office And I was just like, oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Yes, there is. 
There is freedom for you. There is, let me just tell you this story in the Bible of this man who was just possessed by demons and God sent him into these pigs and he, he was in his right mind and he, and he, and he's like, can that be me? Can that same thing happen to me? It's like, yes. And the step one is the step one for all of us. All of us have either been here or need to go here. And the step one is confession. It's a word we don't like to talk a lot about. But the Greek word is homo legeo, which means to agree. Confession is just to come to an agreement. God, you're right and I'm wrong about this particular area of my life. I'm busted. The light's shining straight on me. There's nothing more I can do. I can't hide anymore. I agree. I agree with you, God. You know, isn't it interesting that one of the things on the list of things we want to leave behind are excuses. And I know as a human being, the first thing that I want to do when the finger gets pointed at me is I want to find a way out. I want to find an excuse to somehow make it somebody else's fault, not my own. That's just human nature. But when we come to the place where we say, I can't go any further, I'm, I'm busted, it is, it is apparent that I have to deal with this, there's nowhere to go. That's when freedom can begin. You know, think about this. Confession for someone who who is not a follower of Jesus Christ, is the very thing that leads them to life. Like there has to be an agreement that I am lost and the only way that I can be found is through Christ. That's the only way. And at some point I have to turn around and walk a different direction. And so in Scripture what it says, if you confess with your mouth, I love this, if you agree with your mouth and you say, Jesus is Lord... That's why we, when we baptize, we say, do you believe that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead? Do you confess that with your mouth? Do you agree with that? Yes, I agree. And then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It says you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. So there has to be this place where I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And that is step one. That is the agreement. Jesus is Lord, and ultimately, I am not. I'm not. I'm not the Lord of my life. I'm not, I'm not a good God. I'm a terrible God. I'm a selfish God. But the God with the big G is a giving God and a loving God. And there's this confession that must take place. In 1 John 1, 9, where where the writer is, is talking to believers and he's telling them that if you confess uh, your sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Okay, that's not a, a, um, that's not a plea for salvation. That is a plea for restoration between you and the Father. Okay, that's what that confession is. Like if you agree, like, hey, yeah, there's been some sin issues in my life that I've been struggling with, and I agree with you that I need to deal with them. Um, and the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's his part. He'll do his part if you do your part. Okay? Are you, are you tracking with me? 
Dragon? All right, so there's the confession of someone who is not a believer in Jesus, and they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart. It brings them into right relationship with God. They are saved, because that's what the Scripture says. And then there's the confession of the believer who has is, who is allowed sin of some kind to get in the way of his relationship with God. We're not as intimate as we used to be, and I have to come to an agreement with him that I've got to deal with that. Okay? And, and those who were here that day who wrote those things on those cards, at least in some form, that's their confession. These are the things I'm struggling with. These are the things I'm working on, and I want to leave behind this trash of the past year. So that's, um, that's that, those steps we have to take. But I think one of the things that we don't do very well with is the, um, that, that's the kind of the vertical confession with God. We don't do very good with the horizontal confession, and that is confession to one another. Like it was something powerful about this guy walking into my office and having to confess these things to me. He's like, there's only one other person in the whole world that's ever heard these words before, and I'm sharing them with you. And I, and I share with him this passage of Scripture out of James that says, when we confess our sins one to another, we are healed Healing comes when we say it out loud to another human being. And I know there's times when we say it out loud to another human being, and then we're like, uh-oh, how are they going to respond? And then when we respond with love and grace and forgiveness, it's so new and fresh and unbelievable to them, it starts to heal their heart. And all of us need someone in our life that way, that we can be that way with. All of us need some time or some place where we can go and do that. And I, and I don't know, I wasn't in the early church. I haven't, I've only been to a few other churches in the world. But one of the churches that I went to is a church in Belarus. And it was this huge Baptist church. Beautiful ceilings. And, and, uh, and I, this woman came forward one Sunday morning. And she's crying and she's wailing. And the guy's uh, listening to her. And then the guy's talking in the microphone. And I'm asking my interpreter. I said, what's going on? What is she doing? He says she's confessing her sin in front of everyone. That's a common practice in that church. We don't do that here, do we? Not very well. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we, we call it a testimony, kind of after the fact, like after we've already walked through the, 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 um, the process, the pain and the healing, and then we get up and we talk about it afterwards. But we don't do a very good job of just agreeing with one another and coming clean with one another. I know the, the uh, men's fireside chat has provided a space for men to come clean. Some men are pretty good at it. Some men are a little bit too good at it. Some men are like, dude, man, you're, you always got some junk in your life. Like, what is going on? And there's other guys who just sit there and probably want to share, but they don't know how. And there's a lot of in between. But there's got to be a place for that. That's one of the reasons why we do small groups or Bible studies and we create space but a lot of times it happens better just one-on-one. -on -one. You call a brother and say, hey, I just got some stuff I'm really struggling with. I need someone to talk to. I need to talk. Can, I, can we get together, have some coffee or whatever it is? When we confess our sin, one to another, then we'll be healed. That's a practice that Christians need to practice. <laughs> you hear me? We need to practice that. And be a little bit better at it. Healing and freedom are byproducts of confession. 
There's something incredible that happens with that. Look, uh, I know you got your finger in, in uh, Luke 19, but I'll just, I'll read this to you, or, or you, can, you can go to it and mark it if you want to. But I want to read, I want to read this passage to you out of uh, Psalm 32, the first five verses. Listen to, here's the subtitle of the passage. It says, The Joy of Forgiveness. Because with confession comes forgiveness. Because he says, if you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. And listen to what it says. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Like how joyful is it when a person has just come clean and they've just like let it out. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. And then in my Bible it has that little, little word that says sila or selah which literally means to stop for a moment and process what, they, what you just heard. So the opposite of confession is regression, maybe, <laughs> or just holding it in and not, not letting it out. And so it says, when you keep silent, your bones become brittle. You groan all day long for day and night. Your hand is, you feel like God's hand is heavy on you. Your strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Think about that. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. Then I agreed with you. I came clean to you. And it says, and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Stop. Think about that. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not conceal it any longer. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Luke chapter 19. In this story, we will see that confession affects our life's progression. It causes us to move forward. It, it changes things. It changes how we... Uh, how we live and how we give and how we interact with other people, it changes our character. And here's a great story about that. It's a very familiar story. Jesus, inner Jericho, was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because the crowd, because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up the sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. Okay, Selah. <laughs> Stop and think about this for a minute. Do you think that Zacchaeus was excited or a little bit scared at that particular moment? Or both? 
Man, Jesus is coming to my house today. Oh, man, Jesus is coming to my house today. What we, I got to get my house in order. I got to get my stuff together because Jesus is going to come. What's he going to think? What's he going to say? Is he going to ask me some hard questions? It's like when people see the pastor. Oh, no, here comes the pastor. Is he going to ask me some questions? I haven't been in church recently. He's going to ask me. He's going to, hey, where's your, how's your walk? Where have you been, brother? Haven't seen you for a while. Oh, I don't want to have that conversation. I'll just look the other way. Not that anybody does that. Not that any of you have ever done that. (laughs) But you wonder, was Zacchaeus scared or was he excited that Jesus was coming to his house today? So it says, um, so he quickly came down, welcomed him joyfully. All right, so maybe that's the answer. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. Man, if Jesus only knew what kind of person Zacchaeus was, as if he didn't already know. (laughs) But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. He says, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has came to seek and to save the lost. Remember last week we talked about uh, this, this, this idea of grit, this this passionate, persistent pursuit. And that's the way Jesus passionately pursues you. Like he will not give up on you. He will continue to pursue you. Because he's came to seek. He's came to, to pursue those who are lost. That's, that's his job. That's, that's why he came. And then he uses you and me to be givers of that good news, of that gracious good news of Jesus, that when you do confess your sin to him, he will forgive you. And then you don't have to walk in it anymore. You can leave it behind. You don't have to keep picking it up and carrying it along with you, that there is freedom in the name of Jesus. There's freedom in him. And he uses you and I to point other people to the one who has forgiven us so that they can experience the same Forgiveness, like when this man said in my office, and the worship team, go ahead and come on up. When, the, um, when this man said in my office, I was so excited to tell him about the same Jesus who had broken my chains too. The same Jesus who showed me amazing grace. And he, he could share you or show you that same grace. And he just was overwhelmed. He could not believe that God could forgive him for some of the choices that he had made. And I was like, yes. Yes, he can, because that's why he came. He came to seek and save you. That's his purpose. And he wants you to know that. And so I nailed down next to this guy. And I immediately, I immediately loved this guy. Like, there was just something about him that I just, I just loved him. And we knelt down, and I and I, you know, like, like men do, like, like we're going to arm wrestle, but we like, instead we just like embrace one another and we pray together. And he confessed with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed that God raised Jesus from the dead. And he asked Jesus to forgive him of his sin. 
and to cleanse him from all unrighteousness. And whether you've never done that, whether you've done it a million times, he's calling you to do the same thing. He's calling you to do the same thing. There is no progression without confession. He saw the difference it made in Zacchaeus' life. It'll make the same difference in your life too. We're going to sing a very, very familiar song with a very, very powerful message. And we're going to just offer you the opportunity to do nothing more and nothing less than confess if you want to or if you need to. Maybe you're like, dude, I'm good right where I'm at. (laughs) Maybe you are. Maybe it's more powerful and more effective for you I mean, it's not like climbing a sycamore tree, (laughs) but it does maybe require you to move (laughs) and walk forward and uh, agree with God. Just agree with him today.